Welcome back to Overanalyzed. Man, it's been another two months since our last recording. Not much has happened. No <laughs> pandemic, no weddings, no nothing. Nothing nothing in the last two months has yeah, happened, right, Jay? It's been really boring. Pretty pretty quiet all around the globe, I, I hear. You know? Can hear a pin drop. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Did you hear what Rachel said? No, I can't hear what she said. Uh, see, this is the problem with having this uh, the setup. So, Rachel, my now wife, is actually here with us today on the show to actually discuss that we did end up getting married, despite all that. It wasn't the wedding we initially planned, but I think it was really special. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. So, yeah, June, you were uh, a part of this experience. How was it from your perspective? Yeah, um, I guess it was... I saw it over Zoom with along with family members all around and it was really nice there were a few uh certain family members that definitely dominated the zoom before the wedding started um but uh not gonna name any names here but it was um (laughs) you know who you're talking about (laughs) it's pretty entertaining um each side was well represented in that category (laughs) yeah it seemed like it but Overall, I will say it was great. It was beautiful. Um, I think everybody looked really nice, and you guys um, did a beautiful part um, outside of the church. And yeah, I mean, the audio was great, Alec. Good job. Uh, kudos to you. That's uh, <laughs> the sound engineering was the really iPad good. professional, hear, man. Yeah, I could hear things very. It was clearly. just an iPad professional. I will say, <laughs> you know, and this is a question I brought up to you. Like the video was, you know. Eh, it was quite pixelated, but I think I, I asked you this already because I'm just kind of curious. Hey, does the video quality drop right vary based on the amount of attendees in a particular Zoom call per participant? So I don't know. Uh, maybe it does if it's got to broadcast all that video to everybody on there. Um, but I mean, just kind of wondering like. There shouldn't be a reason, I feel like, for the video to be low quality if it was just, like, us normally on a Zoom call. But for some reason, like, <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was meh. Were you, were you on, like, LTE on the cellular network? Yeah, I was on LTE. Ah, well, maybe it that was. And, and the church doesn't have the best reception. Now, there is Wi-Fi at the church, and there, were, there was thoughts of using that. Candidly, it was a pretty busy setup time. And uh, I wasn't convinced that the Wi-Fi at the church would be that much better. And also, we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get any feedback that the video was grainy until afterwards. So I was assuming that it was okay, uh, particularly because I think when we first started the stream, the video quality was a little bit better because we were in a different location. Because we actually started the stream from the cemetery, which is not that much further from <laughs> where we actually did the ceremony. But... It's in this like kind of uh, valley, so I think every little bit counts. So that was unfortunate, but luckily there's a 4K version now on YouTube, unlisted, but it's there. And if you know you go to our wedding website, you can watch it in all the fidelity. Yeah, that's awesome. I would say though, uh, I think it would be nice if you maybe could recount a little bit from the beginning of like starting at the cemetery and how that was, and maybe Rachel can talk about it too, and. And what was it like for you guys on your side? The beginning as in um, planning it or the beginning as in when we decided to have a Zoom wedding? 
Oh, all of it. Uh, wow. Okay. I was just thinking of like the day, that day. But sure, we can talk about like uh, the the whole. When did you guys decide to still keep it? Um, I mean, but you feel free to start whenever, wherever you want. We've got uh, fifty more minutes. <laughs> You're gonna get the whole saga, I guess, of the stages of COVID wedding planning, grief, and recovery. All the emotions. I want to see that come out. This is this is good. So I think initially when everything was starting to come out, like mid-March, we were both still a little bit optimistic of, oh, it'll be two weeks of stay at home. Our wedding's the end, like our wedding's in May. We'll stay at home for two weeks and we'll be good. And then as things kind of like slowly progressed, more and more things started shutting down. We started to have the realization of, well, crap, this probably isn't going to happen how we initially intended it with our big Greek wedding of 200 people. Um the likelihood that we're able to get 200 people in one spot seems highly unlikely right now with things progressing as they are. And Alec and I both thought that it'd just be kind of somewhat socially irresponsible of us to like put 200 people in the same place since I'm in healthcare and we wanted to like set good examples for other people. And so we started to think about, well, maybe we can still have our wedding as planned, just kind of pare it down to like closest family and friends. So we started working on a list of 50 people because I think at the time the guidelines were no more no gatherings bigger than 50 people and then restrictions kept coming out and more restrictions kept coming out until suddenly everybody was under stay-at-home orders no gatherings more than 10 people and so we were trying to figure out what to do about that and we knew we both wanted to still get married on may 2nd which was our intended day because we got engaged over two years ago um, we've been dating for, for like a little over four years at this point we're both just really ready to be married and really ready to be together and so we knew that we wanted to get married on the second, but we weren't sure how that what what that would look like. Luckily, due to the fact that I'm an Uber planner, we had already had a marriage license, and so many people that we knew were um, trying to plan weddings were running into the issues of they didn't have a license and were having difficulty getting that. Because of the nine weddings we were supposed to go to this year, including ours, four or five of them got rescheduled. Um, in one couple who's got rescheduled weren't even able to get married because they were didn't have a license in time. So we had our um, we had our license, so we knew that we could still get married. We just kind of decide, had to decide what we wanted to do about that. And so slowly kind of came around to, well, we could just get married with us or just our family and friends. And we had a lot of people approach us and ask how they could be involved or they wanted to watch us. And we kind of came to the um, – we had, had a couple other people we saw through, like, friends and social media use Zoom to kind of broadcast their wedding or Facebook Live. And so we kind of decided that, well – we wanted everybody to be there the first time around when we like initially planned it because people we invited meant a lot to us and we wanted them to share and take part in this big uh, monumental step in our life and our relationship together and that we still wanted them to take part in that even if it couldn't be in person and so we decided to go ahead with the the zoom wedding which is in keeping with the kind of like overall covid trend of all things zoom yeah i would definitely add on to that a couple things um we intentionally chose zoom over Facebook Live or, or Periscope or something like that because we still wanted to be the people that we initially invited. Now, admittedly, we did invite a few people who didn't make the cut for basically size reasons, right? Um, but then I started realizing that if we invited any more people, there was a chance that not everyone could get in because even a, a paid-for Zoom license, unless you start paying like significantly more money, um, you can only have up to 100 participants. And although families would be dialing in together, I did some back of the napkin math and I was like, 
we've invited 105 potential gatherings. Um, so yeah, we, we had to kind of still stop a little short, um, and didn't send it out to like necessarily everybody I would have sent it to at that point. But the other thing that's interesting too, is that Rachel was talking about how the guidelines changed and how we kind of went through these different steps and all that's true. But honestly, we rescheduled the wedding on March 19th. So we actually ended up going through all this in about four days, right? Because the weekend before uh, it all kind of started, Rachel actually had a bachelorette and we were talking about, oh, like, we'll persevere, right? <laughs> uh, before she had left, we were talking about, like, we'll, we'll figure this out. It's not going to be bad. And then we realized by the time, like, it was funny because she was away, right? The first day I was like, whatever, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. And the second day I started thinking about it and I started getting like nervous and thinking like, this is not going to happen. And then Monday, our friend who was supposed to get married in two weeks had to postpone, right? Because uh, they were getting married in New Orleans and that was where it was really picking up. So when that happened, we really kind of had to start thinking about it. So honestly, those emotions came by very quickly, a couple of days, and add on to the fact that I was actually uh, getting sick myself. And we don't know to this day if it was COVID. Uh, my test came back with not enough volume, apparently, uh, which is really annoying for how deep they went into my uh, nasal cavity. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> uh, you know, here we are. Uh, it's, I'm still, it's still a mystery to me. But it was, it was cool to do Zoom. And I would I also add, we, we didn't actually know what we were going to do for the wedding until about three or four days beforehand. Because we kind of kept sitting on our hands about figuring it out in case like something changed. It's like, oh, because uh, you know we we're getting May, May 2nd, almost all the guidelines were until the 30th. We're like, oh, if they raise it to 15, like that's super useful. That's the whole wedding party. We like that. But unfortunately, it was still 10, so we had to make some hard choices about who could actually be there. And yeah, that, that part I think was a little bit of a bummer because there were some really important people to us that just could not go. Um, but we made it work and we still ended up having them all be a part of it in some way. Yeah, I think for anybody who goes through this dress and just the craziness of a planning a wedding to then have it all kind of like come to a screeching halt is uh, not ideal. And like certainly... There are like worse things in life that to get rescheduled, but you have this like big buildup and every like we had our little wedding countdown calendar and it was so close and then to have to push everything back. Um, thank goodness I have such a wonderful and supportive partner. Alex spent actually the vast majority of the was the one who did the vast majority of rescheduling everything. Uh, I had been working a lot of night shifts at the time and so was trying to sleep some like during the day so I could be um, ready to work at night. And I remember. Um, kind of Alec and I were tra- talking in the morning and talking about what to do and that we were going to go ahead and reschedule and then waking up a couple hours later and Alex saying, all right, I've talked to all of our venues and this is the day that it's going to work and um, we got, we're getting everything rescheduled and we're doing it, which is just a, like, it was just a huge relief to have him do all that. And thank goodness for our official wedding photographer. Shout out to Rachel Smith Photography, who served as not only like our photographer, but our like personal wedding therapist through all of this to like be our like kind of sounding board of like what other people were doing and what seemed reasonable and just for the number of weddings that that she's been in and then kind of like once we decided to postpone we really just kept hoping that uh, i don't know things like, we would be able still be able to have like a smaller like kind of tiny intimate marriage ceremony um 
but yeah, we really didn't plan anything until probably like the Thursday before, which is very unlike my anti-procrastinator tendencies. Um, we knew we had our officiant picked out. A friend of mine had already was able to officiate, had a was certified to marry people, which Al can talk about is remarkably easy to get, apparently. June. 1-800-GET-A-CERTIFICATE. <laughs> June, I want you to guess. First order of magnitude, seconds, minutes, or hours, how long does it take to get a marriage life or the ability to be a minister? I was going to say how many clicks. I thought you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> seconds. All right. That's a correct clicks. order of magnitude, but I mean, it's kind of a leading <laughs> question. Now, now within zero to 60, <laughs> how many seconds would you say it takes to become a minister? 10. That's about right. Honestly, it's all autofill fields. I think you could do it in like. Yeah, four. I was gonna say. Does does it? I was gonna say. Do you, it depends on if you autofill or have to type in your name. But, <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's like your name, your address, and you like click a checkbox, being like, "Yeah, I think I want to do this." And then it's like, boom, you're done. And you were saying, and you were saying, you don't even have to pay, too, right? Correct. So it's totally free to become ordained. The I think the gotcha is that some states require you to register as a minister and you'll need like some paperwork proving it that's official. So then you have to pay their like $20 or $30 package to get the paperwork. So we were joking. Our other friend, we actually had a backup minister in case uh, for some reason Lucy couldn't do it. And he got ordained. I kid you not, like twice in about a minute. <laughs> he went to two different sites that like support it. And he was joking it's basically just a stationery and costume store because they like send you like you know a piece of paper like a certificate saying that you did it and they also have like options for like clothing and stuff <laughs> so <laughs> robes <laughs> yeah it's kind of a fascinating business so yeah it's it's super easy i actually haven't become ordained yet but i plan on it because like why not it's literally a couple clicks <laughs> And then it's just like someone asks you to get married, I'll be like, yeah, I can take care of that for you. I can sign some papers. That's that's pretty interesting. You you guys had a kind of a scare too, didn't it? Your friend was, uh, she said she wasn't feeling well or something. And it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So our friend was taking her temperature five times a day just for grins. And once it came over, uh, uh, you know, a little high, but then it immediately went back down like the next time she read it. So she like sounded the alarm immediately when it happened and we got a minister like, you know, within seconds, essentially, like I said, like we, we very quickly were able to be like, okay, one second and we had our backup person and then she was like, oh, I'm fine. It was just like, you know, a random uh, peak and valley, so to speak. But yeah, <laughs> that, that part was kind of remarkable. Also, just like in general, we had to do nothing that day. Like, once we handed the paperwork over to her, she just signed it all. So, like, I mean, yes, she's saying that she did it and that we were there and all that good stuff. But, like, anyone could have done it. And then here, okay, here we go. One other question. Do you know, I think I may have told you, but play along. <laughs> did you know that in Maryland, if you get married by someone who's not ordained, and, like, I guess they figured this out, it's a $500 fine to the minister, but your marriage is still valid. So, literally, anyone can marry you. It's just that they might get fined. <laughs> and instead of thinking it as a fine, it, you can think of it as a $500 fee, right? To get married. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we also discovered in all of our marriage license shenanigans in that is that in D.C., 
you can actually apply to marry yourselves. You don't actually even need an officiate. So when we applied for our Baltimore County marriage license, um, also super easy. Alec just needed our names, our ages, and our social security numbers, showed up at the courthouse, handed the clerk or gave the clerk this information said under oath that we both wanted to get married. I wasn't there working per usual. And then boom, we had a marriage certificate license, marriage license Um, versus DC. You just fill out the same information for both of you. The two of you have to then go theoretically go, both of you show up to the courthouse to pick it up and then you can just go off and agree to get, be married somewhere and sign your form. No officiate needed. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, I think you'll also maybe explain to me and maybe some 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 of our listeners. Um, <laughs> as somebody who did not get married in the U.S. or in Maryland, like what is the difference between a license, a certificate? What's what's the process? Like, what is the legal process? And if you do a religious process, how does that all work together? How does that work? Well, I think it's all the same thing that you're saying. Your marriage license is like the like the ability for you to get married, and the marriage certificate is once you've gotten married. So our Baltimore County license. Nope. Alex, looking at me like I'm crazy. This is all true. <laughs> I'm glad I asked the, this question. Okay. <laughs> the marriage license says these two people can get married, and then actually for Baltimore County, there's a two day waiting period for when you get it. So I guess in case you get cold feet or you're like, ah, nah, don't want to marry this peop- this person, you have to wait two days from when you get it. Not sure about DC. But then you need your officiant to sign it, and then that's um, sign your actual marriage certificate saying you are married. And then for religious ceremonies, generally, well, religious marriages. So we were planning on having a Greek church, a Greek Orthodox marriage, and but typically, when you get married in a religious institution, they will also sign your civil paperwork. But a civil marriage does not isn't always recognized. It's not necessarily recognized by the church. Okay, I mean, I guess. So uh, the reason I was kind of confused is when you go get your license or whatever, it's three pieces of paper, at least in this, you know, fine Baltimore County uh, of Maryland institution. So you get like one that you send back to the clerk, one the minister keeps, and then your like certificate that gets signed. So like, that's why I was like, it's all the same thing because it's all in a packet together and, uh, you know, tied in a bow for $35 cash, only cash. So then when you when you do the actual marriage, so I guess for some people then, if they don't choose to do a separate ceremony or anything like that, they can literally just get an officiant, whoever, like we said earlier, or, or do it yourself if you're in DC, I guess, but or do it illegally, right? And just pay 500 bucks. But they can <laughs> just then sign that paper and then voila, you, you basically can, you, you've got the signed certificate as well. And so you're married, right? Is that kind of how that works? Uh, there's one more step. You have to mail the other sheet to the clerk within five days of your marriage. So that was sent out same day via USPS. And in theory, we're married. I have talked about this a lot. Like, okay, we, we sent the paperwork to the closed courts. Is there someone there like getting this? Or are they just going to have this huge pile <laughs> of all these like hypothetical marriages or whatever that it, like, cause I'm, over here being like i'm married now and i'm like changing paperwork to being like married married and like yeah we are but like are we like from a court perspective i don't know like <laughs> it's it's, yeah, it's a really weird time no, to get married I, because that feedback loop is there's a there's a, a right a cog in it i feel like mm, 
I might be wrong, but I feel like some of those um, some of those might uh, like offices might still remain open, and they're gonna and if they're not, they're gonna give an extension for these things. I I'm pretty sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. I, I I wouldn't fret too much about that, um, but I kind of kind of it is kind of funny to see to you know wonder what what really is going to happen. I mean. So you then what you're saying is you mail the signed certificate, basically the the one that's signed by the officiant. You mail that to the clerk. It's a separate form. It's not the certificate. Oh, it's we a separate. That. So what do you do with the? Yeah, there were three sheets of the paper. Form. You just you take a picture of it. You send it to the right. workplace. They're like, thanks, congratulations, and they're happy. Yeah, I think you more need it for documentation purposes. Like, I'm not planning on changing my name, but then you ha- if you do, you have to go take that marriage certificate to every known place where you're registered under the sun to go show show them hey i got married i'm changing my name so if you wanted to change your driver's license or any kind of other registrations you have you use that to then register right now that makes sense passports and all that stuff i mean i would i would think that you would have your own copy so are these like carbon copies essentially or the same copies that you Three would then mail sheets, out or so like do whatever the one that we have actually uh, looks i don't know it looks regal I don't know. I was going to say it looks like one of those awards that your teacher makes for you in elementary school <laughs> with your name and your age and congrats, you're married. And then like the, your officiant signature at the bottom. <laughs> and then there are two kind of like more form looking like papers that are, are the same, but one says for officiant and one says, I think, court at the top of it that, um, but they're, you, they should be carbon copied because the same information, but you have to fill out, fill out them out twice. But you, as the married couple, don't have to write anything. You don't even have to sign anything. All you have to say is, I do, and somewhere in your marriage. And that's that's debatable. You could just, I guess, say, let's do this, or yeah, or maybe not even anything. And as long as you have a mutual understanding between each other and your officiant, maybe they just sign. Not not sure about that. Wait, so there's no place for you guys to sign? No. I was surprised, too. So if you're an officiant, you could just marry two people without their So consent. somehow I managed to get married <laughs> and didn't show up to a court or sign any pieces of paper, and now I'm married. Well, yeah, sounds like a potential loophole here. <laughs> Someone could be playing Cupid, start marrying people together. <laughs> so go, to go back to your comment about like the churches and the ceremony and all that stuff, basically um, the priest has the same ability to sign this paper as our friend, uh, for the legal portion, um, but, but they also, of course, conduct the sacrament, and that's and then recognized by the church. So, our venue for the reception and all that, we rescheduled, and they needed some more uh, money, so to speak, for the deposit and like the stages or whatever. Um, we, we actually we booked that place so long ago that they have totally changed all of their policies about payment, like many moons ago. We gave them a grand and they like held the spot and we're like, cool. And then we were supposed to pay them like, you know, all the rest later. Now there's like three stages of payments. <laughs> so in this new format, we're, we're paying them. So we had to you know pay them again. Um, and like, it was like two days before the wedding and they said, oh, you know, like so nice that you're still able to get legally married. You know, some of our other people can't because the church won't let them get married again in the church. And I started getting nervous. I was like, oh man, really? Like, are we going to have a problem here? And as a believer in like asking for forgiveness, not permission, uh, I wasn't about to go and like ask formally, 
But I did do some research and I am pretty confident that we're fine because the church doesn't recognize legal marriages. Like to them, you're not married. And I'm like, great. Continue to think that. Please go marry us. That's exactly what we want. So, you know, we're very excited to still do the pomp and circumstance and the actual, you know, religious wedding um, eventually in the future, maybe. I mean, definitely. Just when (laughs) TBD, apparently Halloween. Halloween wedding. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys haven't even mentioned that, that it's Halloween. You get a Corona wedding and a Halloween wedding. This is going to be amazing. By the time we were rescheduling everything, um, the date that worked for the venue, the church, and our photographer, so the but met, um, able us to keep most of our uh, most of our venues um, and vendors was Halloween. So it is slightly in keeping with our theme in that we managed to do things on low key holidays. Um, still not sure how I feel about a Halloween wedding. I haven't don't want to lean into the whole like gothic blood and vampires and death themes that you will find if you put halloween wedding in pinterest but i can get down with some like sparkly pumpkins yeah maybe not maybe not alex show up as a as a as you know count vampire but uh but a little bit of decoration yeah yeah (laughs) so you might be wondering like oh what was the process of rescheduling right so all these phone calls i made so i started off with the venue and they're like, oh, you know, people are definitely trying to, like, move around. Um, and I was like, all right, what dates do you have in, in you know, August, September, October, et cetera, right? So they're like, oh, we have, like, these two dates in August. One of the dates was actually one of the dates we were originally considering for the wedding. So I was like, oh, sweet. Cool. And then I said, great. Thanks for all the info. I'll be back. And then I called the photographer, and we deconflict there. And I'm like, okay, great. These are the days I work. And I'm like, oh, I should call the church. And I call the church. And of course, turns out, so one of the days was August 1st. Uh, (laughs) The church is not able to do weddings between August 1st and August 14th. I don't know if that's the same for you guys. Because of the uh, dormition of the Theotokos, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty confident that's actually correct. Uh, They can't do weddings. So... He was like, oh, I can't get, I can't marry you that day. Sorry. It's two weeks of the year. I can't do marries, uh, marriages. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? So that day was no good. And I thought about doing like, oh, we'll do the wedding Friday night. And then the reception on Saturday, like scheme. Cause like he, he could do it the day before. Cause it was the first, you know, August 1st. But by the time <laughs> I called back the venue to figure out like, you know, be like, oh, here are the dates. All of August was gone. All of September was gone. Halloween was available. Or our other favorite day that doesn't have a name, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Or like the weekend before Christmas. And I was like, yeah, Halloween sounds great. That's the one. Uh, Because at that point, yeah, it it was either that or you're not having it this year. Which gets to us like to the thing, like if we can't do it in October, like Straight up, we're going to have, like, this this wedding in, like, 2023. Like, I don't know. Maybe 2022. But I'm over here, like, 2021 is going to be canceled, right? 2021 is going to be completely filled, but everyone else who had to reschedule by that point, right? Like, everything's gotten pushed. 2021 is going to be completely full. So, uh, I don't know. I'm like, that's why we, we really were like, you know what? 
we're gonna just get married because it might be two years until we can actually do this reception just because of dates and venues and all that good stuff which is kind of crazy when you think about that ripple effect just from like that one industry yeah no absolutely and and how yeah you're talking about half a year of weddings that essentially can't happen and so you know and most of them will will still want it so they get they just yeah cascades down prime wedding season from what end of march through september and it's getting taken out in 2020 the year everyone wanted to get married because it's a cool date i was gonna say it might not be bad for me next year to just start uh start offering my photography services again (laughs) oh man no more photographers available uh how about an amateur photographer here Uh, never done a wedding before but (laughs) yeah weddings actually are pretty difficult to do by yourself a lot of wedding photographers will at least have one more photographer there all right tell me about the planning and everything of the wedding and just like the actual ceremony yeah so once we decided that we were going to do zoom alec is gotten dubbed in charge of all the technical aspects um and i had taken off the thursday and friday before may 2nd with the um, day we were um planning to get married and so i spent most of thursday i think on google just trying to look up what one puts in a marriage ceremony Um, because we really did to look at the silver lining get a little bit of a the best kind of like all, all the weddings so we still plan on having our church service we'll still have a reception but we had not planned on having any kind of um self like personal aspects to the wedding at least as far as the ceremony part we were just going to do the traditional greek parts and then just i don't there aren't even like necessarily vowels in the greek um the greek service you just get your crowns and you walk in your circle and boom you're married so by planning it we kind of decided that all right i guess we're gonna end up writing our own vows now and then well, that's going to take like two or three minutes. Like, what else do we put in this wedding to, I don't know, make it at least take 10, 15 minutes or so. So Google is pretty helpful in that as far as um, like the structure of things. But it, my God, you look up like wedding readings and some of them are terrible. Like you got your like standard love is patient, blah, 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 like a bunch of Shakespeare sonnets. And neither of us are like, particularly literary people so we did want to pick out things that we had at least read or heard of or like knew the person that was being quoted and so i think i spent a good chunk of the day just sort sorting through um different websites of like top readings and finding things that like may thickly spoke a little bit to alec and i as things we could potentially identify with with regards to relationships and love and marriage and we had each written our individual vowels ahead of time as well and sent them to a friend to make sure that they were somewhat consistent in length and tone so we wouldn't have someone be um saying like three lines and the other person kind of rambling on for a speech that would be hilarious actually if if rachel just went like like on a like this mad speech spree and then alec was like yep love you babe (laughs) yeah get my like i don't know 10 minute soliloquy and alex of y'all right i guess i do (laughs) (laughs) just eh. (laughs) for the record my speech was more like phone screens than rachel in apple notes because we both throw them in apple notes originally before transcribing so (laughs) but it might be because i used like gratuitous return carriages like i basically would be like two sentences return carriage next paragraph (laughs) 
But yeah, I kind of looked up the outline of what goes in a wedding, what goes in the wedding ceremony and kind of pared it down from there. And there's so much stuff you can put into them. There's like lots of like unity symbols. So kind of like lighting of candles, um, mixing of different kinds of wine, sand things. And ultimately I wanted it to be somewhat simple. Um, I didn't want to have too much extra things that weren't particularly meaningful to us and to have readings that meant something to us. And so we had a kind of opening that we drafted and then was edited by my friend who ultimately married us. And then we picked out readings and assigned them each to uh, people who were there. So two of Alex Groomsmen and my two of my sisters who were all two of my bridesmaids all each read one. And we gave them one that we thought best suited each individual um, and how they related to us and how we knew them. And then we said our vows and exchanged I do's and boom, married. Well, I'm putting rings on each other's fingers. That's an important step. But uh, yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed that part because like, I don't know about you, June. I don't know if it came across well in the footage. But when I like put the, the ring on, I just imagine like one of those sound effects in a movie of like, you know, like <laughs> like one of those like bass drop <laughs> uh, subwoofer executing uh, notes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It felt pretty triumphant, and, and, and I almost added the sound effect to uh, the wedding video, but I was vetoed by uh, by Rachel, so it's understandable. Yeah, that's that's you know maybe another version you could put it in the official one, maybe maybe not, it, but director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the director's cut. That's right. <laughs> so I, I guess I will also like second the fact that it was really cool to have these readings that kind of expressed our personality and we got some pretty good feedback from people who you know observed the wedding saying oh i really enjoyed the readings like that was a nice touch and like they weren't your run-of-the-mill um you know shakespeare science and stuff like rachel said and like i i really appreciate the fact that rachel put that effort in because i guess she knew me well enough to know that i'd immediately reject all that and i know and you know she didn't want it either um but i was like yeah like when i got home and she showed me the stuff that she pulled it was awesome. It was really great. So uh, when you you, know, you were supporting, saying I was supportive during that, like I really appreciate all the work that you put into creating the ceremony that was so well received. And also, let's be honest, like I wrote my vows. <laughs> so it was funny. I wrote my vows uh, based off an idea I had at like one thirty in the morning. And I didn't write it at that time, but I had the idea. And I write this whole thing and I'm like, oh, maybe I should look up what vows are. And I look up what vows are online and I'm like, oh, I didn't really write vows. And I looked at it, and I'm like, I like what I wrote, though. <laughs> I'm not going to change it. So I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tell me, the, tell me the difference. Yeah, what was the, the delta here? Well, I, we can put, like, the link in the show notes to uh, the, the, the footage of us delivering each other's uh, vows. But, you know, I, I just made a story, essentially, of uh, our relationship over the last 43 days because that was when we found out we weren't going to be able to have the wedding the way, th- the way we thought, for sure. That's when we rescheduled. So... Um, I talked about some of the things we, that we've gone through over the last 43 days and, and just the ways that she reaffirmed to me and I had full confidence that, you know, she was one of my dreams and who I wanted to marry. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, like recognizing the times, but also what makes her so special. Cause I definitely feel like this process made the wedding a little better. Like, a like we had, an, we had an obstacle we didn't bait. Our relationship has been easy opinion. We haven't really fought much, you know, so overall very happy in the relationship. 
wouldn't say we fall because of the pandemic, but like we, you know, a lot of things go our way. We're very, we're very fortunate. Like a lot of things have gone our way in, in life. So we hadn't had to really deal with that together, but we, I think we, we responded really well to it. And it was a, it was a cool speech. And then Rachel, like she like looked up things, she did her homework and then she wrote these really good vows. They were funny. They were nice. I got a few things in there that I didn't expect and I was pretty hyped about. She told me I get Raven season tickets and she supported my whiskey habits. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so loving. <laughs> yeah, I think I initially drafted mine and then I looked up what one was supposed to put into their vows and st- structured a little bit. But mine were kind of mainly, I kind of did two sections about like all the reasons that I love Alec and our relationship and kind of like how he makes me feel. And then I did the more traditional vows after that for like all the things that i promised for our relationship um it's like some more serious ones and then some kind of more like funny ones of i promise to support you in your whiskey habit but then i also promise to support you in like good times and bad times and to openly and honestly communicate with you so a little little balance in there and at the end i think Alec and I both realized at the end as we're like looking up how to um what to put in vowels we both realized we didn't actually ever say like at the end like a a specific i love you and then we both put that at the end yes yes i I read the first like rules was like make sure you actually tell them that you love them because like most people don't and i was like yeah i didn't do that yeah you're correct so um, i'm gonna put that in at the very end i put pound sign i love you you know (laughs) like and then and rachel um also added it in there (laughs) i think actually yours was at the front i think you were like i love you so much I think at the beginning, I, I mean, at the beginning, I put all the reasons why I love you, but I didn't necessarily say, I love you, which hopefully came across in the vows and all the things that we were promising to each other that even if it wasn't explicit, it was implicit, but threw it at the end just for good measure for the crowd in case there was any concern <laughs> or any confusion about how much I love this man. Yes, yes. I think I think it's very obvious and clear that you love each other. You you are getting married after all. There's uh, <laughs> that would be hard to do if you didn't. But yeah, that's nice. So we still did it at the same church we were going to get married at, but we just did it outside and they had this you know kind of nice and has some foliage behind it and whatnot. And then there's this path that kind of zigzags. So Rachel was still able to make kind of an entrance. And neither of us had our like uh you know, our, our costumes, so to speak, right? Like Rachel didn't have her, her full on dress. I didn't have the suit that I had ordered because I decided to get alterations that in retrospect, like I probably didn't even really need that badly. Uh, but it worked out well because I, I wouldn't have wanted to use it and then had to like reuse it when Rachel couldn't use her dress kind of thing. Cause it was not fully baked. So I think it worked out well. And, and it was important to us. Like when we went through this, there were many different phases of it and like how, like how much, I guess, like pomp and circumstance, how much, how much complexity we want to introduce to the wedding. And we kind of realized like we didn't want to do too much from that perspective and save that for the day that we had everyone together. Like we didn't want to do a full photo shoot afterwards of like us and everyone, like assuming everyone could have been there. Right. We were like, we're not going to do that. Then we're not going to do the whole photo shoot thing. Then we're not going to have the photographer come. We're not going to do that because that's like, like we wouldn't be able to do that twice. Like with the same enthusiasm right and we definitely would want to do it on the day that everyone actually could gather so i think that was a good choice i would also like to talk if you don't mind about like it was a lot more hands-on right because 
uh, weddings, you typically hire people to take care of things for you, particularly on the day of, right? Well, not just like the coordinators, but also just like there's a supporting staff, right? Like you're usually not your own DJ. You're usually not your own photographer. You're usually not your own all these things. Well, suddenly we were all these things, right? So I'm over here with my new backpack, which we'll have to talk about on another show. There's no way it's happening today. Oh, right? Oh, right? Oh. Got my new backpack. I'm like right. unloading all this stuff. I set up the whole rig, right? And uh, it was stressful for me because we were running a little behind schedule. And I'm over here like setting it up in my head like constantly. So I like had practice. Like I practiced in the apartment. It was like, no, now I'm like rehearsing everything in my head. And it was kind of uh, a little nerve wracking. And then, of course, like we set up in like not that much time at all. <laughs> like it wasn't that bad, all things considered. But it, it just felt rushed because like the last thing you want to do is be late to your own wedding. Right. And I think people would have understood because of the, you know, kind of uh, makeshift that we were doing there. But uh, yeah, no, we, we started like right on time. And uh, I don't know. I, I really look back on it fondly. I think it was really lovely. It's important to I think both of us that it be nice because we wanted to both both for ourselves, but then also for all the people that we were including too. So one of Alex's things he always says is like he does everything with care and with intention. Um, and so we wanted people to know that we had put thought and effort into all the different components to the best of our ability and tried to make the best of a not ideal situation. And luckily it was a beautiful day outside. Alex, 10 years of historical weather data for May 2nd didn't let us down. Um, and so it was really just, it was really nice. And it was nice that we were still able to do it outside of the church. So I could go to the gravesite and see his dad and have a course light down there with the, his family. And that way too, we could also, um, of the 10 people who were there, we were able to somewhat stand apart outside. It's a little bit challenging in general, but um, I think the different family clusters did a somewhat okay job of standing apart-ish. We tried. We tried really hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rachel's family has been like coexisting this whole time, so that's that wasn't too big of a worry. It was more so me, honestly, just not having, you know, my mom's uh, my only living parent. And then of course um, I'm an only child. So I didn't have the, like uh, the easier choice of going, Oh, I'm a, my sister's here or my, my brother's or whatever. So I had to choose and I ended up being like, who have I known the longest, right? Like who have, has been in my life the longest. And, and that's kind of how I made my decision of having uh, my cousin, Michael and uh, my best friend, Peter, um, you know, like, it was pretty easy to kind of come to that conclusion, but it's still like, you know, obviously it was a bummer because like you were supposed to be there, right? Like, you know, there was, there's other people that I really wish were able to be there. And, um, our officiant was having none of the idea of having an 11th or 12th person. So, uh, we want to respect her wishes and still actually get married. Cause as you heard, like she has all the control in this matter. Not, not like we don't sign anything. Right. <laughs> so I definitely wanted to keep her happy. I mean, I think it's in general, it's good policy to follow the, overall guidelines of 10 people so we were okay with that and then it was actually important to me too to kind of swing back as to why getting married on may 2nd was that important to us too because a lot of people would say like oh why don't you just wait you waited this long already like um what's i don't know why do you need two weddings um one of the reasons as well is that my sister's in the military and is getting restationed um in the middle of june and so then she goes out for periods of time where she gets sent out to sea um where it wouldn't be possible for her to 
come back and so we don't know when specifically those chunks of time are and so it was important for me to be her to be at my wedding and so this is the way we could guarantee that and i'm hopeful that she'll still be able to be able to there be there for the halloween wedding but i don't know yet yeah it'd be cool if anyone could be there <laughs> it's, i keep telling rachel we're gonna keep sharing for football you root for football football can happen our wedding can probably happen so that's that's the the real technique here i think it will i think i mean it's october right end of october i mean it's not even the end of may and people are already talking about reopening which by the way is a whole nother separate interesting conversation the whole like feel like there's a whole when is the pandemic pandemic over right there's like there's the actual like pandemic pandemic of over being like the virus is over and then there's the social aspect of when it's over where people are just like okay i've had enough of this and it's just kind of like or the economy is like hasn't had enough of it you know but anyways it's a separate thing but i feel like by october no i think that's a totally fascinating conversation yeah I, i mean i think you guys are fine i think by then most things will probably have opened um because because primarily i think economically and socially like we're just like done with it and we'll take whatever risk there is i mean that's just like I mean, you'll still have people, we'll still be very germaphobic, don't get me wrong, like, we're, I think people will probably still be wearing masks for a while, which is probably good, but I feel like, from a wedding perspective, we should be fine, especially October, end of October, yeah. I like the way you think, I hope you're right, I don't really let myself get excited about it at this point, we all cope in our different ways. I I completely agree with you from, like, the social perspective. I feel like this is a whole a whole other show, so I'm like hesitant to go down the rabbit hole. But like, yeah, you're yeah. right. There's definitely like when when the disease says it's done, and when people say it's done. And you know, in theory, the whole point of this is to be able to have not so people like don't get sick. Like people are going to get sick no matter what. Um, it's more so that we can give them the care that they need, so they don't just we have to make these decisions of like you get a ventilator, you don't, and stuff like that. So if we are able to actually you know have some leadership and get organized and have a a strategy like yeah in theory like october should be fine but uh call me when you hear a strategy (laughs) for how that's actually gonna work out (laughs) that isn't just like oh that seems like enough time like by then it'll be fine (laughs) i personally also really just thought you guys had a beautiful ceremony and yeah like yeah it couldn't be there i mean as much as alec was like dude, you can go and just hide in the trees, like up on the hill or something, you know? And just like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> just going to be like a loner, random dude. It would have worked. <laughs> I'm not part of this gathering, so I don't count as part of the 10. <laughs> well, that was my, that was my scheme, bro. I said we had the wedding ceremony. That was going to be six people. And then we had the viewing party. And then we put like a line of caution tape between the two. The view- and everyone does their distance. <laughs> And I was like, that's two different events. They just happen to be near each other. Just a row of chairs six, six feet apart behind a, behind a tape. Yeah. I can't express to you how our officiant, who's a lawyer, just looked at me with the most like disgust, disdain for that notion. <laughs> I also can't convey the eye roll that I'm now giving Alec through the microphone either. <laughs> Look, if you think about it as like biomes of the virus, right? We had less than 10 biomes there. You could have 10 random people or you can have 10 biomes. I'm I'm very, like, I don't know. I feel like that's not a completely unreasonable thought experiment to idealize. What would Dr. Fauci say? Dr. Fauci say, would say that we should all just, like, you know, 
not ever speak to one another again for like about 15 years and then maybe we'll never have a virus again <laughs> actually i to be completely candid with you i'm curious what dr fauci would say because i believe that a lot of the rules that we've made are overly simplistic so people can just follow them rather than like you have to use your brain to compute what the risk is you know what i mean hmm, hmm. that's uh okay it's almost like better to be overcautious. Like I think of an analogy of how FDA recommends 165 degrees for chicken because like oh. that is the most safe way to guarantee like that that your chicken is completely it's it's completely safe to eat, right? Like it's pasteurized to the like 100%, right? Whereas technically speaking, you can pasteurize chicken at a lower temperature but with time, right? But nobody's going to do that calculation. So like FDA just says 165, that's what you need to cook it to. So then it's like the lowest amount of risk. I don't know. That's just a weird analogy. I'm thinking of it. Whereas like is kind of how I'm think interpreting what you're saying. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. It's a great analogy. We're, we're giving it to the masses. So we're getting the FDA version of, of like safety in a pandemic rather than like, Hey, can we actually like think about this? Like give me the sous vide method of, pandemic that's right uh, that's right <laughs> you know i mean i mean honestly and, I, and you know maybe if they treat us like adults who could think right rather than you must do this like, very specific thing like maybe it would work out better because i mean gosh i think people are frustrated because they feel like they're not getting like real information and like real hardcore uh path forwards right um and plans and and, and mitigations and and like I think that's I think that's what's causing some of the unrest because there's like a lack of communication, a lack of treating people like they can actually like you know process and think for themselves. I don't know, and maybe that gets to like a whole other topic. I think we probably should stop. I don't know. I'm overall I I, I want to like preface by saying or like post post this. I don't know. End with saying like I definitely want to take precautions so that this thing doesn't spread. Like I'm over. I have vested interest in like the world came back to normal too, right? But I do think that we've taken an approach that is definitely the most overcautious, most uh, like we're not thinking like critically about each decision. We're just like applying this very simple rule of thumb. And I, I kind of wish there was more people talking about nuance because I think you could get a lot further with some nuance. I think nuance is hard though with public health. I mean, public health is all about kind of protecting the larger po- populations on a larger scale and nuance can be, can be tricky with that. Yeah. Not to say, and by by no means am I a public. I mean, I'm in healthcare, but I'm not a public health health expert, and I I don't claim to be. Yeah, it's challenging when you you're trying to do. Yeah, right. It's it's tough. None of us are speaking with much credibility here, but like I can definitely imagine how you want to go with like a message, a, a set of instructions that are kind of the most you know the greatest common denominator, you know what I mean? That like everybody can understand and can follow and abide by. But yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I should be a different show. I I did have one other question for you guys um, actually related to like wedding, which is more just like, how do you guys feel right now as a married couple? I mean, is anything different? Is, (laughs) do you feel like, uh, Oh, it's, like oh i can call you my husband and i can call you my wife and <laughs> adjusting to using those words and i'm so glad that the microphone exchange the microphone's in my hand right now because i can start the conversation 
Rachel's usually very quick on Zoom calls when this question's asked to be like, it's the same. And I'm over here like, no, it's different. You like me more now. You've <laughs> 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 been so nice lately. I love it. <laughs> That's no, in all seriousness, I do think like you always said that it, there was something different about it. And I do think the thing that's different about it is there's a little extra comfort knowing like this person's here now, like this was always the plan, but now it's real. And I feel like there's definitely some comfort in that. And, uh, I, I think we're probably in that newlywed phase, uh, both from a time perspective and a, uh, emotional feeling perspective. But like, this girl's awesome. She's the greatest. And like, I'm super happy about it. I think about it a lot. I'm pretty hyped. And uh, I don't want to ever lose that or ever take her for granted, which was in the vows. Uh, I want to definitely reiterate, like, that's the key, I think, to a, a healthy relationship, right? Like, if you don't take each other for granted, um, you'll go really far. Yeah. I mean, I always say I don't think anything feels different because as far as, like, feeling loved and safe and secure and happy and fulfilled in my relationship, I felt all those things before I was officially married to Alec. And in many ways, I already felt married to him. Now it's just official and I have a second ring on my finger which feels amazing um but I think my favorite part about being a now newlywed is just really being able to say my husband and having that I don't know I think it like conveys it's it conveys something different like when I I've been on that like phone like kind of calling things for like people um rescheduling some honeymoon stuff and you call and you say like oh this is my husband's account or um responding errands and dropping off um Alex's bike to get fixed and they were like this doesn't look like your bike because it's Alex much taller than I am and the seat was kind of like way high like I could never be able to ride this bike I have the response of no it's not it's my husband's bike I'm dropping him off it, it, dropping it off for him so that feels really awesome yeah definitely and and I would say like those words do mean a lot I totally remember that that's especially right after getting married it's like whoa this is such a just like something beautiful i would say to get used to but i feel like it's interesting too because societally like this similar reason why you know you might wear a ring as just kind of like a representation of your of your of your marriage of your unity the your bond right but it's it's also like those words also kind of emphasize as well you're kind of announcing to the world like yes i you know I am married to this person, you know, like I've committed myself to this person in a very like <laughs> serious way. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think my, one of my favorite things was we, like Alec mentioned, we both um, kind of like red registered, changed our status, our work where I went, went through HR and kind of updated my status. Sounds like Facebook I updated my status from single to married and sent in a copy of my marriage certificate or my marriage certificate. So that was pretty awesome. And it's, just it's a, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a qualified life event. You can uh, change your you can change your health insurance now if you want. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's mixed in the sense of like we had already been living together, already felt like really safe and secure and like loved in the relationship. So like that none of that has changed. It's kind of what Alex says. There's just I guess a little bit of something else, but it, I don't know, my favorite part is just calling him husband. We do it for sport right now. It'd be really cool if there was a third party just like counting how often we say it to one another. Um, and uh and like tallying it because it's pretty high definitely uh can be almost borderline obnoxious sometimes but uh in a way that's absolutely lovely and adorable not i'm not saying rachel's obnoxious i'm saying i'm obnoxious luckily in the age of covid and self-isolation and quarantine we've just spent a lot of time around each other so no one else has had to witness this obnoxiousness 
That's correct. Um, honestly, I was going to ask uh, about also like honeymoon. You guys had a whole honeymoon plan too. And uh, like, how has that gone? Because I don't think you've actually, um, I've asked or before or anything. Yeah. So actually that got moved pretty easily. I actually think in a way that started everything, right? Because didn't South Africa close down their border before we actually moved the wedding? So like once we found out that we would not be able to go on our honeymoon, we kind of started thinking, oh, it seems unlikely we'll be able to have a wedding, <laughs> right? <laughs> like South Africa really doubled down on on this uh, very quickly. So that was rescheduled pretty simply. Our travel agent, uh, that was a, a bonus of having a travel agent. They moved the whole trip and then we just uh, played chicken with the airlines and waited for them to cancel our flights and now we're getting reimbursed. So we'll rebook our flights. Yeah, if you couldn't guess from Alex's comments there, we had planned on going on a safari to South Africa where we'd go to Cape Town for a couple days and then on to Kruger National Park on safari, which has always been something on, that I really wanted to do and go on my bucket list. Uh, Alec took a little bit more convincing, but I think he was finally on board and excited. And I remember when Alec kind of all this first started when my hope was, I just want to go on my honeymoon. If everything, if we have to have a tiny wedding and everything gets rescheduled, I just want to go on my honeymoon. And so having to reschedule that was definitely a bummer of a uh, big bummer, but um, we're fortunate. And like Alex said as well, that we were able to move everything without too, too much hassle. So thank you, Jambari family safaris. We are not paid representatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I will say that like, we haven't rebooked our airfare because we did have to play this game of chicken. We would have been flying back and like return just today if we had actually done this uh, honeymoon. But it wasn't even until like right before our call today, actually June, that we actually found out that our airline uh, reimbursed us for the flight we weren't on today. Uh, so, because they were not answering or giving us a oh. thing, yeah. So I, uh, interestingly enough, there were repatronage flights out of South Africa. And our flight was that flight. So we're like, oh my gosh, like our flight's not going to get canceled for the way back. This is going to be so annoying. But then they ended up actually canceling it like two days after they announced it being a a flight. And they were like, yeah, if you don't repatronage by tomorrow, like tough cookies, I guess. I don't know. So like, and I was like, oh, great. Now it's going to get canceled. I love it. You know? And then eventually it did. It was kind of like conflicting reports on the website. Like the website said it wasn't offered, but then like, the status of like as far as uh, like all the trackers like, you know if you put like, you put your flight into a tracker they were all saying it was still active so it was a weird like thing and then eventually we found out it was canceled today um and we got our refund coming so that airline would only give you a refund if they canceled the flight not like you couldn't get a refund they didn't have a special COVID 19 policy for like okay you get a you get an airline credit or a refund or no they all did that was the thing that was super annoying about it no they all had it they all had policy dude like but they're so they were so inundated with questions and calls because their online systems weren't able to actually like give you information about it or like provide you a way to reschedule or request a refund or anything that even though that you're like you're basically pretty confident that everything would be fine from their policy online there was like no way to actually like do anything and you uh. and you had to like you couldn't just like one of our flights we just kind of sat and played chicken and eventually it got canceled we got the money back and like it just happened but for the other one like it was still showing as a flight until i don't know 
I didn't keep paying attention to it, but a couple of days ago, it was still shown as a flight. Yeah, we booked our flights with airline point, like credit card rewards points, especially and particularly the one back. And so when you call the airline, they say you had to... So when you go online to rebook, it says if you have to reschedule, you need to call. Um, and they wanted you to wait until within three days of your scheduled flight. So we were waiting until three days of our scheduled flight. And I call, we call the airline and they say, you have to call the people who you booked through. So then we call the credit card company. And I kid you not, I was on hold for two and a half hours waiting to talk to a person on the, through the airline company. And at some point I had to go. So I comp- conference called Alec in um, so that he could continue to wait on hold. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was on hold for another hour. Um, so, yeah, it was incredible. Imagine if you had to pay for minutes, you know? How many minutes that was? <laughs> Approximately 180 minutes. <laughs> I, uh, that's surprising. I mean, I guess... I don't know. I've had to cancel an Airbnb and a, and a Spirit Airline flight, and I did not have any issues there. They they immediately had the website hooked up with like COVID nineteen um, workflows in their websites, so that you can go and you know cancel and request a refund. Um, and I was like, this is some pretty impressive like response time actually that they immediately started doing that, and so you could do everything online. And, you know, there was no, there's no need to call anybody. But I guess if you use points, yeah, that gets a little more challenging. And it's like, uh. I think it was the points and also the fact that we, you know, we're booking through a bunch of, uh, you know, international companies. So it was like, like Ethiopian Airlines and like Qatar Airlines, like, you know, like, yeah, we were dealing with like domestic flights. Um, So there was also like that. I think language barrier too, because like we're getting we're getting like an alternative site, right? Like I wouldn't be shocked if we loaded up their site in a uh, in their like native like language. It might be a, a more rich experience, right? <laughs> like who knows? You know, like I, I yeah. like maybe it's not like yeah, you're right. Regionalized and, and and globalized and all that. So like I don't know. Uh, it was it was a process though. I'm glad that part's done. We haven't rebooked our flights yet. Actually, some of our flights are like dramatically more expensive now. Uh, which is a bummer because we actually were able to rebook the safari with like 60 extra dollars, right? It wasn't like a dramatic difference at all in cost, but uh, the flights might be, they might get us. We'll see. We might end up flying with completely different carriers. Yeah, I guess it depends on when, but yeah, that I've heard stories about flights getting booked. Even now, like somebody at work telling me today, like people got on planes and they thought like, they thought based on the airline's website, it would say like, oh, um, there's some, you you would think that based on what you read, that you're booking a seat and you're guaranteed that like, you know, you either the whole row or at least somebody, one of the seats next to you is going to be empty essentially so that there is some level of like being able to control the number of people on the plane. But then like people were getting on when they were trying to check in, they were boarding the plane, they were realizing uh oh like the plane is full it's like completely full so people were like really pissed at the airline and they were like this is not what i how i interpreted your website and so i don't know that's been it's been kind of interesting i I, i'm dealing a lot with this right now and trying to find trying to fight and travel for uh somebody on my team right now to go to to go to a test event out in colorado and um and it's just been an interesting (laughs) It's been an interesting ride so far. Yeah, <laughs> I can get into more of that later, but I think it's cute. 
Uh, how many kids? I'm kidding. Um, oh, you don't have to answer that. You can cut that out if you want. <laughs> so, um, so as part of the wedding thing, I uh, basically lent you my extremely old and, I mean, not really that great of a DSLR, but it was still like a DSLR with uh, a a set of lenses if you will so you want to tell me about how your experience with that was and what you thought and you know everybody's going mirrorless now it's the new wave new trend you know what do you think about this old dslr technology i think one of the things that was a big bummer to me is that even understanding photography at a decent level understanding iso understanding aperture understanding shutter speed understanding uh those components and how to have the marriage to like create a, a good image. It's actually a decent amount of things to juggle as someone who never had to physically dial it in every time. And I was surprised by how many shots I had that just weren't that great. Um, right. So yeah, you end up just taking a lot to get one or two good ones and that's the key. And I think unfortunately, because obviously we can't take photos of ourselves like at the ceremony and all. I should have conveyed that better to, to the folks that were using it. Just like, oh, just like go at, like, you know, take a bazillion. It's fine. Because are you used to like, you know, you, you tap with your iPhone and you take the photo and like it does its magic. And then suddenly it's like a usable photo, like almost every single time. And even in full audio mode, that's not necessarily the case with the DSLR. So it was a learning curve. Um, I got some really nice shots. Like, you know, you take all these shots and you get like maybe 30 or 40 that you're like, nice. Like those are really nice. And then like you put it in June's hands and then suddenly they're all like money. Right. So it's a, it's a dramatically better experience. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. Um, I enjoyed futzing around with it. I enjoyed having glass and being able to create uh, some natural bokeh. And yeah, I mean, it was also just fun. Like, there's definitely an aspect of of having your camera and you're like, I am the photographer now, right? Because when you have this like heavy, hefty, large, imposing apparatus in your hands, it's different than like, you know, your your slim, sleek, fits in a pocket iPhone, right? <laughs> it's a very different experience. So people are like, we're like, oh, you're, you're taking photos, right? <laughs> you know, it's a little, a little different. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I ever since I um, got the DSLR, there would be so many events like, I mean, I was at a friend's baptism for their baby. There was another family doing a baptism at the same time. But I'm just there as a friend taking photos, right, of my friend's kid's baptism. And at, a, at like, later on, there was uh, there were these people who were just looking at me. And they were, like, they were doing, there was, this is the other family getting ready for a group picture. And they were, like, all pointing at me. They were, like, oh, excuse me, you're a photographer, right? Can you take us, can you take photos for us? And I was, like, okay, all right. <laughs> just because I've got this, this rig here around my neck. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was cool. I didn't really experiment using any other lens than the prime um the prime was pretty appropriate for what we were doing that day didn't really have to break out a telephoto so and when i went on the the nature walk i was a little hesitant because i kept it for we went on our uh on my, we took we rachel was off all the last two weeks for the honeymoon and had no real you know, recourse of not being off i still went to work um but i did take off monday so that we could go on a nature walk and that was a really nice experience and we took some photos and uh, again, you know, maybe like six usable ones out of the 60. It's a pretty good hit rate. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, 
it was a good experience trying to uh, dial it in. And I just enjoyed having it around my neck. It made me feel like a real tourist, even though we were, you know, 25 minutes from home. Yeah. You know, you feel even more of a pro when you've got the, uh, when you use the capture clips from Peak Design and, you know, it's clipped to your shoulder (laughs) on your Peak Design backpack. You've got your extra lens clipped on your belt, you know, and it's just like, then you really look like a badass if you (laughs) were hiking around with that setup. But yeah, that's, that's always fun. I would say, did you try the telephoto in the uh, nature walk? Because cause usually out in nature is a really good opportunity. Like you can get some really nice shots of like close close shots of maybe a flower or an animal that's far away or a bird or something that you otherwise with the prime is just, you know, you couldn't get it close enough. I didn't mess with it. And I honestly, the walk we did while like nice and serene was mainly just a bunch of tall trees. So it wasn't like there weren't, necessarily like plants to take pictures of or like good colors other than just like lots of green <laughs> you know i didn't mess with it and i and i you know i looked for tr- for uh for birds because i knew you would mention that and i was like oh i'm gonna go get some bird fo- uh, shots you know i didn't really see any birds i heard them but i didn't really see them so <laughs> you know it, it yeah it just never it never made me want to change it and honestly dude it was super muddy out it was super muddy out. We had some close calls. We had some falls. Like I, I was like not interested in introducing any more complexity to the rig. Like there were a couple times where I fell and I just like held the camera up. I was like, I'm not gonna have this oh, messed up. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah, there was this muddy part and we just all got super muddy, but the camera was safe. <laughs> wow. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for thinking of my camera. <laughs> Literally putting it above yeah. you yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say like i feel like the the aspect of the lenses especially the telephotos where i think like the dslrs or even the mirrorless ones you know they they really shine in in kind of the adaptability um based on the situation i mean you could even get lenses that are like all in one um uh, they're just the photo quality is just not as good you get some more like aberrations and things like that but um but yeah i mean like with the with the setup where you have an extra lens on the side then you can get really quick um lens changes once you get used to it and those are always like some of my more recent trips um i always had that set up and it's been pretty awesome i will say though sometimes going around with just a phone is convenient definitely convenient and like you said you know you're taking you're taking shots and usually most of them are good and like i'm in this habit of taking photos like with a DSLR where like one out of every 50 shots I'll keep, you know? And so I'm like snapping constantly on my phone and I'm like, wait, I don't need to do this. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll end up with all these like duplicates I have to like hold down afterwards and they're all good. And I'm like, oh yeah, I could have just taken one shot. And this is also, I would say where a good workflow post-processing workflow is is going to be really important as well right like if you if it's frustrating to to where you find like and it's you know i get it it's it's sometimes frustrating and depressing where yeah you, you keep one photo out of every 50 but that's okay and if you can get through that then then having a good step having a good process to eliminate those 49 photos quickly is also very important right it's very effective and you're using your time more efficiently i personally also really 
it's like a weird pet peeve of mine where if people are ever showing me photos and they go through a photo library and I'm seeing like duplicates left and right and it's like, dude, cull your photos down. Like, why are you showing me like 10 different shots of the same thing, man? Like you clearly, <laughs> I feel like it's irresponsible almost. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I know what you mean. I will say uh, two two other things. First with calling, uh, we take it an extra step further, so we ended up making uh, albums every year, and Rachel's done an incredible job with these, and we actually got a bunch of them in yesterday. Um, you kind of got us on that that habit, and uh, yeah, it's they they are they're awesome. She does a really good job, and like it's cool to like experience your photos that way. So uh, ten out of ten would recommend. We've talked about that before on the show, and I definitely want to emphasize like uh, going and creating photo books is a good idea, and then. My other piece is that I kind of am very happy that I decide not to go and buy a mirrorless or DSLR at this point because I kind of found that I will still plan on running one for the honeymoon or having some sort of like legit camera for the honeymoon because there's certain shots I just won't be able to take otherwise. But that's like where they really shine for me because if I can take the shot with my phone, in many ways, I might prefer it uh, at this point with my skill level just because... The iPhone's real good, and uh, Alec, not so good. No, yeah, and like just even the matter of like things you cannot even do on the DSLR with the phone, right? Like right now with magic of software and doing after the fact um, refocusing, right? That's like, that is just, obviously you can't do that. Um, if you don't get the focus right on a DSLR the first time, you're, you're, you know, you pretty much can't change the focus later, but um, or for example, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite features is sort of the, um, the like multiple exposure shots where it kind of merges it together, right? Like you can have a bright background behind you, but, um, and when you take, you know, you're pressing the shutter quote unquote once, but mm. it's taking actually a bunch of photos at different exposures. And so it's able to merge, right? Your, the background um, is not bled like crazy, right? It's not overexposed. And your face is also exposed properly. It's not dark. And then it takes like the best parts of both of these and blends it together. And you've got this like shot that looks amazing. Where otherwise like, you know, on a on any regular camera, you're, you're choosing either to meter on the person's face or or more of the background. And you're always going to get one, th- one of these things over or underexposed. So it's... Yeah, and you know, you could stitch it later after I guess afterwards, but that's just a pain, right? So or or even try and modify it and edit it later and you know, reduce the highlights whatever, but yeah, you can't beat some of these just the modern phones nowadays with the with the cameras and and the software. That's just I I get it, man. It's true. And and even, you know, I was going to say like you can even do like, oh, for me, like I like the DSLRs because if you want special effects of like, oh, I don't know, let's say like I was, we were, we were hiking around this um, waterfall and I wanted like one of those shots where you've got like the water flowing with a, with a slow shutter speed. So it looks like uh, the water looks mm-hmm. really cool and like kind of like, you know, this weird I don't know how you describe it. <laughs> it's uh, it's, like a it's a yeah, yeah. It's like a sheet, right? It has a cool effect. Um, and I'm like, well, you have to literally manually 
uh, set the um, the shutter speed lower uh, to get that effect, and you know have a tripod obviously would help, or you can somehow stabilize the the camera. But like, if you just was on automatic most of the time, it won't give you that effect, right? But then of course you could argue, well, you know, you could download an app that can manually override these settings um, and do that. Like you were saying, you still have to know like how to do that. Um, you still have to kind of know how which situations and how to get those artistic effects, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you have to know what shutter speed does and things like that. It's not hard to learn, but it's like on the spot, just kind of thinking like, okay, I want bokeh. That means I need to set the aperture, you know, very high, right? Um, so, or, you know, so like having like this immediate thought and then it's like, but like you're saying, even though I can immediately, like that's step one is like, I want this particular effect and then translating that to what that means in terms of ISO, metering, shutter speed, aperture, right? That's like one level of learning and, and getting it down in your head very quickly. It takes practice. But then the other hard part is then affecting that somehow on your device, right? And of course, auto mm -hmm. is the easiest, but then you're not, but then like, if you're not in auto, <laughs> how do you actually do it and, and do it on a device? And that's hard. I mean, I literally had my, this camera from Nikon for eight years, you know what I mean? So I've had eight years of practice on that Nikon of all the various shortcuts and what all the buttons do and setting everything. So yeah, I'm proficient now, but if you give me a Fujifilm camera and tell me like, hey, do the same thing, I'd be struggling. I'd be like, shit, I can't take a photo anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to actually do it. Uh, that's kind of what I was running into is, because you gave me a, a tutorial of like, oh, this button does this, this does this. And like, I knew how to make the changes, but I always had to like think about it. And in photography, you really don't want to be thinking a lot about your tool, uh, you know? So I'm over here like, okay, I need to hold down this button while I scroll this jog wheel and then I need to like hit this button and I'm like, you know, doing this contortions, which I mean, it's an ergonomic camera, but I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot and, and looking at it and, and no longer focusing on my subject. And uh, that kind of created some overhead. And I thought to myself, right, uh, I'm going to go on the safari. I don't want to be caught up, you know, toggling dials the whole time so i'm definitely gonna look a lot closer at like which camera can i put on full auto for like that portion of it and be getting good results right and you know you, you admit you have like an entry-level eight-year-old camera so like it's not going to be as great in full auto as like a brand new higher-end camera that i'm renting for instance that's definitely something I'm, I'm thinking about now so it was good to have that experience yeah, I think it's good to know, like, okay, fundamentally, what's a DSLR? And by the way, like, you're going to not just get a better camera with a mirrorless going forward, but you're you're also, by default, punching way above the class weight. Like, if you, because you're, you're most likely getting a full, I would, well, if you're going to rent one, I would definitely rent a full, a full frame uh, mirrorless, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas, like, if you were to get a full frame DSLR, you're looking at a much heavier, much bigger camera, right? Like my entry level one is is a crop frame, right? It's not it's not a full frame, so it's it's able to be compact, right. you know, smaller sensor, yada yada yada. They designed it to be compact, but at a sacrifice, right? Whereas you're gonna get both a lighter camera and way better performance. So yeah, it's a no brainer. I think I think renting a very good mirrorless is probably a good idea for for your safari. Um, 
and especially now if you want to go full auto i'm sure like the ones nowadays are like way better than the full auto on my full auto camera on my camera so yeah yeah there's a lot it's gonna be like just automatically better too at recognizing object i would think object detections and uh, being able to like intelligently decide what you know things to focus on things not to focus on um i think it's good i think get it like Get a cup, get a telephoto lens if you can, especially if you're gonna go on safari. For, oh yeah, I, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably do the same like setup that you basically have of a prime and a, a telephoto because when I'm just you know with Rachel doing whatever, uh, that's gonna be the right one. And then once you are introducing the landscapes, you want to break out the telephoto. I I've had I've had so many thoughts of like how to spend some of my stimulus money and i'm like hmm i guess cameras an option but (laughs) (laughs) it's just i'm just thinking like i don't need it though you know what i mean like i can make the one i have work and i'm i feel like it's just like one of those things where it's almost like it's an old jacket that i've gotten so like snug with and used to and i love it and it fits so well now (laughs) but it's got like holes and it's like all right and I walk by a store and I'm like, wow, that's a much better jacket. But I'm like, ah, but I don't actually need it because yeah. I still like mine, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. That makes sense. I don't know. Rachel, did you try it? Briefly. I'm not that good at taking pictures in general. And so I very much like the uh, iPhone camera where it takes a lot to take a bad picture. So I'm not into trying all the different settings. I more of just want to use the basic settings and let it look pretty good she got some nice shots of me though i had it basically like i was taking photos um and it seemed like to be a pretty good pretty good mode at that point so it worked out the times that she did use it what's also fascinating to me is that uh, back when you know i mean i would say cameras even older than mine but mine is old enough that i feel like around that time manual mode i definitely had situations where i would use manual mode it's rare, but I would definitely be, I find myself in a position where the lighting is going to be consistent and I did not want the camera to constantly adjust the metering and adjust like the shutter speed and aperture or whatever setting I'm in because all those precious like, like partial seconds, right? Those like hundreds of milliseconds or whatever, where it's trying to decide what you know exposure setting to use if i'm in manual mode it doesn't matter it doesn't care about that right so i always found that that's like a time saver effectively like it it doesn't have to try and figure out figure that out and so i can immediately take the same shots and i get consistent lighting right consistent exposure across all all those shots which is nice but the more i think about it like the new cameras nowadays with like processors being so good now too i would imagine especially on the mirrorless ones i would think like it's almost like just it's a uh, it's negligible like the amount of time i would imagine to to do that processing of like determining exposure and all that stuff it's just so good now but yeah some uh, some proper overanalyzing that that stuff right there <laughs> Do you want to talk about fountain pens at all? I guess the, the the only thing worth probably mentioning is, yes, I got a fountain pen. And yes, like, I was a person who was essentially set on just, you know, I was the kind of guy that was like, okay, do we even need to teach children how to write anymore? Because 
you know, I typed everything, notes, papers, right? Emails, it was all typed. I'm like, who needs to learn how to write anymore, right? It's all digital now. And then now I'm like, I love writing now. I don't know what happened. I don't know what, like, maybe the coronavirus did it. I don't know. <laughs> like, I needed a new hobby or something. But but I just found myself wanting something. It kind of started with some notebooks. I got some nice notebooks. And then and it was like, oh, I started using those for work. Started writing it. Carolina got me a ballpoint, a nice ballpoint pen. And I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. But then I think I just got sucked in online by a few articles where, I mean, it's the internet, right? So there's like forums and articles for all these things. And then there's, you find that there's just this world of people, of people who are obsessed with pens and especially like the subgenre of like fountain pens, right? And people who are nuts about the different kinds of pens. I mean, it's like, it's like, Alec with Apple, but you know, but people with pens, right? And it's just like the latest models that have come out and and the inks. People are going crazy over inks, right? Like you see people spending way too much money, not just on the pens, but on the inks too. And it's like it's pretty wild. And then there's the part where that like here's the thing, like I've always had a good cursive handwriting, but I never use it. A, because I stopped basically writing, right? But B, like, if I do write, I typically, my default is in print. I just always write print. Um, But I knew, like, just because um, when I was little, like, younger, I wrote a lot more in cursive. And I don't know, I just always had a good cursive handwriting. And then I just stopped. And then so I wanted to pick that up again because I was like, it's really nice. And and I feel like when I see somebody who has good penmanship, whenever I get a good like letter or, or a thank you note or whatever, and it's got like really nice penmanship, I'm just like, damn, that's classy. You know, like that is nice. You know, and you think about like presidents sign paperwork with fountain pens, you know, <laughs> and it's just like there's a sense of like grandeur almost with like, being able to write with a utensil that people have written with for a long, long time. You know what I mean? Like before ballpoint pens were invented as a cheap and mass produced way to like create a pen, right? Like people wrote with fountain pens and prior to that, you know, feather, right? (laughs) Right. And being able to choose the ink, right? Have a custom way to choose your ink. You know, like if I refill and I want to try a different color, I can, I can do that very easily and like have a nice bottle of ink too. I was just something about dipping a pen in the ink is just like, damn, I feel like, I feel so damn classy. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel, yeah. uh, it, it feels really cool. And so I got really into it and I started writing in cursive again and like all of my journals um, for work and personal, like I've just been writing a lot and I don't know, there's, I just get a lot of satisfaction. Oh, and the other thing that came too, I, I, I would be remiss to not mention this um, uh, because Carolina bought this as a gift for me. Uh, It was like a, it's called a monk manual. And it's basically like a, it's, it's really just a journal slash planner. I started using, at first I just scoffed at it. I was like, you know, I don't write, right, honey? Like I was like, (laughs) you should have gotten me a digital version of this. (laughs) But, um, but then like I started using it and writing my thoughts because you, you know, you kind of organize your next day. You think about it the night prior, you, you come up with your high priority. Like what are the three highest priority things you want to get done? You have a schedule, 
you write, and then there's some like more deeper things like what are you grateful for, right? What are three things you're grateful for? And then what's the one thing you're really looking forward to? You know, what can you give today? Like what what would you be able to give on this day? Um, like some of just kind of deeper things that you can think about. And then there's a reflective part at the end, at the end of the day that you fill out for that day. And that I found has been amazing. Like it's really helped me structure my days in a more productive way now and in a more reflective and intentional way like my days don't just seem like i'm passively living them anymore i feel less like i'm living a day just to get by now right whereas i like things in the day i feel like wow these things really happen i mean if you don't reflect on a day it just you're losing that part of the memory almost you know what i mean i feel like when I reflect on the day is really only when it becomes like a memory that, that I lived and it's um, easier to recall. Like it's becomes maybe almost part of a more long-term memory too. So anyways, that's really helped. And, and, and that requires writing. So like that kind of got me into like wanting a pen. So, and then of course, like you get a nice pen, man, especially a fountain pen. Um, you start to realize too, like how, shitty like most paper is and (laughs) it's like you start like going like wow this is like writing on sandpaper and so you want to like now you're now i'm like finding myself looking at paper and like there's a whole world of paper you know enthusiasts now too and it's just like the weird geeky corner i found myself in um and i don't know i like it that's just the thing i'm into right now um i did buy probably a lot more journals than i i will ever need um but we'll see um they're they're really good you know everybody talks about rhodia and it's like yep i i started write journaling in one of them like damn this is like butter smooth it's 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 incredible it's incredible Yeah, so if you need a pen, if you need a pen, I got recommendations. There's a lot of um, kind of like intro beginner um, fountain pens where you know they're they're like twenty to fifty bucks. You're not you don't you know breaking the bank paying for these, and they're very good quality still. And then same thing for inks where you know you don't have to spend a lot. You can also just instead of buying an ink bottle, you can buy ink cartridges, and those are easier to just kind of. You know, you pop the old empty one out, you pop a new one in. You don't have to go through the rigmarole of like sucking up the ink through the pen, you know, dipping it into an ink bottle. But there's just something about doing that. And I'm like, ah, oh, this feels so nice. Like, this feels so damn classy. But uh, you don't have to go through that. It's a little more, you know, you can get ink on your hands and like all that kind of garbage, but it's worth it, in right. my opinion. The ceremony. Yeah, it's a ceremony. I, I Honestly, I say this now, but like, in in three months i'm gonna be like oh, screw this thing i'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna go with cartridges again or something but right now i'm still <laughs> like i'm really digging this uh this fountain pen life but yeah and i'm already like looking at other pens and i and there was a pen um i was really thinking about getting for mother's day and like after i've gotten the pen occasionally i look at these pens and and when it was mother's day i was looking at one that was um four figures it was uh you spent how much for a pen like it was almost 30 (laughs) it was almost uh basically like my full stimulus check plus more (laughs) so it yeah it was a lot of money so this was uh yeah it was almost four thousand dollars for a pen and you realize you get them for free at like career fairs right yeah well you know 
you're also marrying you also just married a guy who you know would pay thousand dollars for a watch so just just letting you know what you're getting into here um it's not just me it's <laughs> to be clear you didn't actually buy it we we are allowed to window shop right I, you didn't buy that's it what so I'm saying we, too i didn't buy it yeah i did not buy it and yeah and the thing was this pen would have been great like if i was loaded i would have i was <laughs> i would have absolutely bought this pen for carolina because it was like so, it was like the so, le petit special edition uh le, the le petit prince which is like one of her favorite things so i don't ever want to hear crap about a really expensive purse or pair of shoes that i want if we're spending like four grand on a pen we aren't. We're talking to June right now, who was considering it, but didn't do it. June is your alter ego. If June's getting one, we will eventually have one. <laughs> All right, we're talking about like these are like fourteen karat gold nibs, you know, on these fountain pens with a with a hand carved wooden like you know shaft that has like marble embedded into it. With I, I mean. It, the craftsmanship is like out of this world. I mean, it's there's a reason why it's worth that much money. Yeah, um, I'm so, familiar with the pen world. I haven't yeah. like gone nearly as deep as you are, but I am familiar of the prices you can pay and the incredible build of materials that will be involved in a given pen. Yeah, but I and, do think it's important it's, for the listeners and for me, who's been looking at, at at these different things. Like, what what pens do you got? What pens are you recommending? What, what's going on here? You know, some mean some uh, specs here, some numbers. What, what what kind of pens you got? What are we dealing with here? So, I myself um, have I the first one I got was a Lamy. Mine was an LX because I I wanted the aluminum and like for me, um, most people recommend the Safari. So Lamy, if you go to Lamy's website and you look up, they've got essentially very similar looks it's like the same family the same model but they've got the uh safari the Mm all-star and the lx the safari is the cheapest it's like 25 bucks it's plastic but they've got by far the most selection of colors like they've like i just so what i Mm -hmm. did end up getting for mother's day was a much cheaper pen it was it was this um it was a special edition mango colored one and uh for fountain pen because she kept using my fountain pen after i got it i'm like you need your own fountain pen honey um so then i got her that (laughs) i got her a nice like ruby ink ruby like dark red ruby colored ink i think it's been really it looks nice and then you can go the all-star which is yeah it's it's aluminum and then you can also like the feed is sort of see-through you can see the feed itself um at the tip there Mm -hmm. and then if you get the lx most people will say the LX is sort of like a money grab by Lamy. Like it's not really worth it. It's also aluminum. Um, but for me, like I liked the sort of extra step. Like you get a matching with the LX. You get um, um, the clip is has a matching color. And then the ends mm. are also stainless steel. So like there's, are, there's these screws on the ends and the all-star they're plastic they're like this black plastic but then the lx you're getting you're getting the uh, stainless steel and then i just i love the black like the black nib that comes with the lx now granted so the nice thing too if you buy lamy is they have a huge selection they're like you know they, they make a whole thing about like german engineered and then like manufacture thing but they also just have this great interchangeability between all these things because you can buy 
all these other different types of nibs. That's the that's the other beauty about fountain pens is like you can buy nibs for whatever your writing occasion is. So if you want to have a really fine tip to write something, you know, you can go with extra fine or fine, and you can buy these nibs and, and interchange them. They come on and off pretty easily. Um, but or if you if you're like doing maybe a little more coloring or some more drawing, you can go with a bold nib, which is like the fat nib, a fatter nib. So your strokes will be thicker. Or you can go with like a calligraphy, like more specialized nibs, like calligraphy nibs. So mm-hmm. those are you know you can do more calligraphy with those. Um, so there's like. There's all kinds of things. Um, I personally have like Lamy pens before, and I really like them. So that's why I ended up choosing Lamy. But a lot of people also choose uh, another pen um, that's really commonly used. It's I think it's the Metropolitan Pilot or Pilot Metropolitan. Um, that one's like a pretty common f- a set of fountain pens too. So that one, both of these are like really good entry level, not too expensive. I think the Pilot Metropolitan might even be cheaper. It also comes in a bunch of fun colors too. But those would be the ones I would recommend: the Pilot Metropolitan and the and the Lamy. And if you've if you can spend an extra fifteen dollars, I would get the LX or the All Star just to get the like the you know they're aluminum. It's a little better. Um, and the the other thing I will note is that the plastic ones even though they're like really nice and special edition, if you do decide to fill up your own ink, what happens is if you, over time, if you start to like fill up the um, pen yourself with an ink bottle, because what what you do is you're literally dipping the the pen into the ink bottle, right? Into the inkwell. And then you've got this converter. So instead of a cartridge, you've got this converter that has a piston inside, right? And you're twisting it. You can, you can, turn you're twisting the top part of this converter which makes this piston go up and down and essentially to draw ink up from the well you're using this uh you're you're making the piston go up and it's creating a vacuum so it's it's as the vacuum as it's the piston goes up it's draw it's sucking the ink up into through the pen so that's literally what it's doing and then it's filling it right the 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 piston can go all the way up to the top of the converter and then it's filling the rest of the the converter itself with ink too. So it draws it up that way. So as you do that, whenever you dip the pen into the ink well, because it's plastic, what will happen is then the ink necessarily can often get onto the plastic and over time it just starts to stain the plastic. Whereas with aluminum, you'll have less of a problem with that. So that's kind of like just things I've read and, and um, obviously I haven't had like I I personally have not had a plastic um, pen, but the other day when I was playing with Carolina's, hers is like the Safari Mango color. It's like an orange, nice orange color. And dipping it into this like ruby ink, I like contaminated the grip part because I dipped it a little too far and I got some of that ruby ink on it. And as I was wiping it off, I was like, oh darn, like I can't wipe it 100% off. Like some of it is now kind of, to me it was like, I wonder if I can wash it off. But I was like, but wiping it off, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like it was like starting to get into the, um, and I am video, some of the videos I watch people who are like, Oh, this is my favorite, like Safari pen. And it's like, you know, some special edition color that they had that there was only like offer for a limited time, whatever. But I look at it, I'm like, it's supposed to be pink, let's say, but it's like, Dude, it's like a, a smudge of colors now. You know what I mean? Just because like they've used it so much, they filled it with ink, and it's, it's um mm-hmm. yeah. 
but that i don't know maybe maybe that's also like a good thing for some people where it's like this is it shows like use you know and like you know there is no other pen that'll look exactly like that yeah like a nice patina on leather right it's very unique so you know it's that could be a good thing that would be my recommendation. Do you have any thoughts on rollerball pens? Um, not as much. Are you I don't just know all fountain? I right now I'm all fountain. Um, honestly, um, the just like I so I've never had a rollerball, but I did. I I did look up like before I was getting a fountain. I was looking at rollerballs. Um, I mean, from my understanding, like ballpoint and rollerball. The difference between the two is nowhere near as the difference between a fountain pen. And, like, it's just, like, totally dramatically different in in what you write and how you write it, right? Like, and with, like, a ballpoint, you know, I'm trying to write cursive, right? Like, you can tell. It's, it's just, like, the consistency of the ink is nowhere near what you get with a fountain pen, right? It's, like, because it's really depending on how hard you're pressing the pen. And you got to press pretty hard, right? Because it's, it's ballpoint, right? And, and you're like, your ink sometimes may come out in splotches. So it's not even, it's not consistent. Like if you look at your own handwriting with, with a ballpoint, it's, it, it's rarely like a very consistent, consistent, like, what do you call it? Uh, stroke where it's like evenly, the ink is evenly distributed. You know what I mean? But with a, with a fountain pen, it's, it's very easy to do that because it's modern nibs nowadays are so advanced. Like the ink just comes out perfectly even for you. And then, like, some of the upper, higher ends, when you get into gold nibs, the reason why gold... It's not gold just because, ooh, it's gold, but because gold is malleable. So the ink, the pen, as you use it, literally changes. The nib literally changes to your writing style. It adapts to you because that gold, is it, it changes shape <laughs> a little bit over time. So... It's like it'll it won't write the same for somebody else be, if you've just if you just give them your your pen that has a gold nib that you've used for a long time. They it might not work for them because they're not holding it at the same angle you you might be. You know what I mean? So <laughs> like yeah, it's it's a very interesting world. <laughs> Easy to get sucked into. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a feature of a gold nib. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there's like Lamy also has some really other cool fountain pens i've already got my like next fountain pen planned out next two fountain pens probably planned out and um, and they are probably still with lammy um because i i don't know i just they have a very cool modern design that i really like um and i will say like as far as fountain pens goes um you'll see a lot of other companies have more they're really nice you know beautiful uh but sometimes just older styles of pens you know what i mean i mean we're talking about fountain pens like who uses fountain pens right what are the, what's the what's the typical demographic for people who buy fountain pens yeah. and it's like yeah they're not necessarily like super modern so that's why i like lamy style because they they really are modern styles and yeah i don't know they look nice they have a bunch of other ones they have ones that are look super sleek um the studio not the studio. The studio is the next one I want to get. There's another one that looks <laughs> super nice. I f I'm forgetting what it's called off the top of my head, but yeah, that's pretty much fountain pens for me. You should you should definitely let me know if you do get a fountain pen. Please let me know. I'd be really um, interested in what you get. Oh, the dialogue. Ooh, that's a beautiful pen. You should look up the Lamy dialogue. 
Dude, that's like 300 to 400 bucks, but that is a beautiful oh, pen. Boy. I don't think I'll start there. I definitely think uh, if I get a pen, I'll uh, start a little more basic. But uh, I definitely have looked at Fallon pens. I've looked at uh, the Mark One, the Rollerball pen. That was kind of alluding to when you uh, I asked you about that. But yeah, I, I get it. I get the fascination or the interest now in the in the paper that you use. I ordered a nice journal that I haven't really used at all. Uh, and by really, I mean I haven't, period, used at all. And it's because I was like, oh, I need to have a nice pen for this. Uh, so I haven't, you know, really dug in. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I should get a nice pen. And, you know, start a new job and everything, having a notebook, have a nice pen. It's a good way to be really professional. 